So we're continuing our Kingdom Principles series. It's really been about looking at these principles that we can apply in our own lives that will help us to get closer to God, that will help us in the way we live. Pretty much everything we do is improved if we take a look at these principles and learn to apply them to our lives. And I want to start today by throwing out this little trivia factoid. And I was looking and I was surprised that right now, actually this this research came from about three years ago, that about 80% of the American population uses smartphones. I think that in the last year, that's probably increased as people have been sheltering in place. But that's a pretty incredible number when you think about it, that 80% of people in the United States, I didn't grab the, the world's numbers, but 80% use smartphones. And this is the reason, if you've ever wondered why, you know, why do companies like Samsung or Apple, why do they have so many different versions of their phones? Why is there so many offerings? And it's because they want to cater to that 80%. They want the 100%. They want everyone and anyone to be able to use a smartphone, whether it's people that need bigger screens to see better or to do things easier, or if it's people that want more power, more functionality because they're using their smartphones for work, or if uh, people need higher quality cameras so they can do their digital photos or they can stream and film videos for their different jobs they may be doing. And this is so interesting because when the first smartphones came out, most people thought they were just a niche item. I remember hearing people say things like, who would check emails away from the office? And what's the point of watching movies or playing video games if you're not at home? No one understood that. But the funny thing is that these days, most people, they can't live without their smartphones. And it's nearly impossible to find a cell phone that works on the old infrastructure. You just can't do that. Even the old, like the, the non-full smartphones, they use data in some way, shape, or form. So they are kind of a smartphone. And with the yearly advancements in the technology behind the cell phone infrastructure, the networks, not all of the older cell phones and smartphones are compatible with today's modern day networks. You can't just take an old cell phone or smartphone and expect it to work on today's networks. And as I was thinking about this, this is so true with our Christian faith as well. And it's something that Jesus addressed in Luke 5, verses 33-39. And in this passage, and I'll read it here in a second, what we see is God's doing a new thing. He was making changes through Jesus. Not only did Jesus' death and his resurrection usher in the new covenant, but and that ended the sacrificial system that we see in the Old Testament, and it also allowed people to experience salvation through Jesus, through belief in him. But the way that Jesus did ministry, it was different because God was doing something new. And just like the beginning of the smartphone, there was a lot of doubters, people that didn't agree, they didn't know what was happening. So let me read Luke 5, verses 33 through 39. And in the NASB, it says this. It says, and they said to him, the disciples of John often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, you cannot make the attendance of the groom fast while the groom 
is with them, can you? But the days will come, and when, uh, and when the groom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he was also telling them a parable. No one tears a piece of, a piece of cloth from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he will both tear the new and the patch from the new garment will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants new, for he says the old is fine. In this passage, Jesus is addressing people questioning him about doing things differently. And he was doing this because God was doing a new thing. The new covenant was starting because of Jesus. That's what he was ushering in. It was a new way of doing things. The heart of God, worshiping, praising him, loving him, that first and second greatest commandments, loving God and loving your neighbors, those things don't change. But the way things were taking place were different. And Jesus represented this. And so people were questioning him saying, hey, you know, why don't, your disciples fast like everyone else. Why don't they do what everyone else has been doing? And Jesus, he's like, you know, think about it this way. If you were going to a wedding and you're celebrating with the groom, you're not going to fast. You're not going to be sorrowful. You're not going to be mourning because of sin. That's not what's going to happen. And that is typically why the Pharisees, the disciples or the Pharisees and the Pharisees and, and John and his disciples, that's why they fasted. It was repentance. It was mourning because of sin. And it was basically approaching God in that manner. And Jesus is saying, you know, here's the thing. I am here. God is among you. This is a joyous time. You should be excited. We should be happy. So we can't expect my disciples, these people following me to be sad, to be mourning, but there will be a time that they'll do that. Jesus was doing something different. And he goes further and he gives these two really incredible parables. The next one, I kind of put in my, uh, my own words here. It's as if Jesus is saying, you know what? Think about this. Who goes out and, you know, buys a new pair of jeans because they have a hole in their old pair? Who goes out and takes that new pair of jeans that they bought and they cut a, uh, they cut a patch out of it and then they take that patch and they put this brand new pair of jeans, this patch from this brand new pair of jeans, and they put it on this old holy pair of jeans. Who does that? That makes no sense because now all you have is two ruined pair. Because when you put those old jeans with this new patch in the washing machine, the patch, it's not going to fit because it hasn't shrunk the same way that those old jeans have. And so you've ruined everything. You can't just continue to do the things the way you have been doing. And then he adds this final parable and he says, you know what? You can't put new wine into old wineskins. And if you guys know anything about fermentation, fermentation, part of that process is like gases being released as things as the alcohol, the sugars, those things are being broken down. And so if you were to take new wine that's just been pressed and you put it into an old wineskin and wineskins were typically made of intestines or they were made out of leather. And so they stretch, but there's a point where they stretch no more. And especially if an old wineskin is dry, it's brittle, it'll break. So if you put this 
new wine that's going to have gases that expand and you put them inside of this little pouch, this, this uh, wine skin, it's going to explode. It's going to crack. And so you've ruined the wine skin and you've also destroyed the wine. No one does that. And I thought a modern day version of this would be putting Mentos into a Coke bottle. I mean, kids have been doing this forever, but that's the example. You know, if you mix those two, you close the topics, eventually it's going to explode and you're going to have ruined everything. So we can't do that. And I love what Jesus does. He ends this passage by getting psychological. In verse 39, he says this, and no one after drinking old wine wants new. For he says, the old is fine. In other words, when people get stuck in the old way of doing things, they don't want to change. So what does this mean for us? When God is doing something new, we need to be careful that we're not getting in the way of change. Just because something is different, or maybe it's not the way we've done it before, or it's the, uh, it's the way that others have done it, or just because we don't totally understand what's going on. We have to be careful that we are not getting in the way of something that God wants to do because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Now, why is that concept, why is understanding that, why is that so important? Well, God does new things all the time. God is about changing people from their former selves, their sin nature, and having them become something new. And while it's great to honor the past, it's great to understand your roots and where you come from, that is an important thing. Getting stuck in the way things were or the way things have been, it can do the following. It can cause you to miss incredible opportunities for improvement. It can cause you to become judgmental and critical. It can cause disunity. Because there's some people that will say, hey, we want to try something new. And then there's other people that are like, well, we don't. We like the way things have been. Incredible disunity can happen. And we see that in churches all the time. It can inhibit your spiritual growth process. You can backslide. If you are stuck saying, hey, you know, my former self, my sin nature, the way I've always lived, I, I don't want to let go of that. And so what happens is you're trying to mesh this new life in Christ, being a new creation with the old way you used to be. And then you become a carnal Christian, a worldly Christian, who people will probably question, are you even a believer at all? Because you sure look like your former self, because you're not letting go of the past, your former life, the way things used to be. And here's the scary part of this, then when we get in the way of change, Ultimately, you can be getting in the way of God. Acts 5, verses 38 and through 39, and the NASB, it says this. And so in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if the source of this plant or movement is men, it will be overthrown. 
But if the source is God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Or else you may be you may even be found fighting against God. Basically, that's saying be really careful what you're resistant to. Be really careful what you complain about and get in the way of. Because if it's um, uh, earthly, if it's worldly, if it's man, if it's just the spirit of man that's coming in saying this is an idea for the church or for someone's life, it's going to go away. It's going to fail because humans came up with it. But if this is something God wants, if this is God's will, if it is his plan, and you're trying to thwart it, if you're getting in the way of change, if you're complaining, if you're coming up with excuses, you're fighting against God. And that should really hit home. You should really think about that. Some people want to complain just to complain. Some people want to complain because things are different or it's not the way they used to be. Be careful that you're not getting in the way of God. So how do we apply all of this to our, to our, to our lives? Because it is a kingdom principle. Well, one, we have to learn to recognize when God is doing something new and when change is necessary. That's so important. And over the coming weeks, we'll talk about that more. How do we begin to do that? Next, develop a heart that's open to change. Ask God to soften your heart to things that are changing, things that are different. But it's got to be a heart change because if your heart isn't open to change, then your mind, your emotions, all of these other things are going to get in the way. Another thing is we have to understand that some changes, they require trading in the old for the new. Jesus gave us those parables that if we just think we can mix the old and mix the new and that's the new thing, that's when things explode. You have to create something new. That's what happens when we're Christians. We need to trade our old selves, our sinful nature, and we need to become the new creation through Christ. We need to change because those two aren't compatible. Living by our flesh, our worldly desires, and living by righteousness, being, wanting to be in right standing with God, those, they're not compatible. They don't work together. They're totally different. They're opposed to each other. So we need to trade in the old for the new. And this is something that churches everywhere, they are finding themselves having to deal with right now. For the last year, we have been doing everything online. We have been doing things really differently. And this year, you're going to see churches get back to in-person worship, probably the next three, four months, you know, and we'll send up some updates that we're starting towards that process as we're updating things in the church. We're having conversations. We're trying to implement our plan. But here's the thing. We can't go back and just say everything will be the way it was. Oh, or let's continue doing everything we did and let's add in everything we've done online. That doesn't work because everything online, that takes a lot of time and effort. Everything we did in person, that takes a lot of effort. We don't have double everybody. So we can't just merge the two. We have to create something new. And it may be a hybrid. It may be little parts of everything, but we have to be open to change. 
And churches are dealing with that because they know there may be some people that are like, no, we have to do it the way we always have. No, we don't, because we'll probably fail if we do that. We have to do things differently. So we have to understand sometimes it means trading in the old for the new. We also have to realize that change is not always easy. It can be painful and it's a process. Sometimes change takes time. And then we need to come to peace with the realization that some changes will take place whether you're willing or if you want them or not. So we need to ask for God's peace. Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7 in the NASB and NASB, and this is the kind of peace we need. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be uh, made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we have that kind of peace, we're not anxious about anything. We're not anxious about changes. We're not anxious about how we're streaming, if we're not streaming, how we're sitting in person, how we're not doing, how we're doing group, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't even matter. When we are trusting God, when we have God's peace, we are not anxious. We're not standing in the way. We're trusting God. And that's the kind of peace we have to have when we understand that realization that if it's God's will, if he wants it, it's going to happen. And so I want to close up with this. I want to give you three keys that you can do to successfully go through changes when God is doing something new. And this could be something new in you. This could be something new in the church. It could be something new in your surroundings. That's when God is doing something new. These three things will help you to, I would say, more successfully go through that change. The first one is a genuine faith. And I keep repeating that. It's a genuine faith. It is truly believing in who God is and why Jesus had to come and what he did. And then it's truly trusting God. John 8, verse 47 in the NASB, it says this. The one who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them. Because you are not of God. What this scripture is telling us is if you want to hear from God, if you want God to affect your life, if you want that peace that transcends all understanding, if you want to understand what's happening around you, if you want to see, understand, be part of that change, the new thing God's doing, you must truly believe in him. You must have a true, genuine faith. It can't just be something you say. You have to truly believe God in your head, in your heart. So number one, it's genuine faith. Number two, walk with God daily and draw closer to him each and every day. So walk with him and draw closer to him. And that's the theme of this year. It's daily walking with God. And you do this through prayer, repentance repenting of your sins, turning away from your sins, 
reading and studying the Bible to understand God's character, to maybe see how God does things so you understand that better. So you have to be studying the Bible. Christian fellowship, gathering with brothers and sisters to help you grow, to encourage you when you're down, to challenge you when you're backsliding. You need to be in fellowship with other Christians. And then praise and worship, taking that time to thank God for who he is and what he's done. And those are in no particular order. They're things, all those things are things that we need to do. Psalm 145, verses 18 through 20, also in the NASB, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear the cry for help and save them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but he will destroy all the wicked. Again, true belief in him. I love how the scripture says those who call on him, those who call on him in truth. You truly believe, or are you just throwing things out there into the atmosphere? Or are you really talking with God? Are you seeking him? And the final one, and I'm so excited, you know, in the coming weeks, as we talk about drawing closer to God and how we hear God, it's reliance on the Holy Spirit. This is so important because with our human minds, we have no idea what the future holds. We don't know the roadblocks and challenges that we're going to face. We don't know the opportunities. We don't know roadblocks that could become opportunities. We have no way of knowing because we don't know what the future holds. Again, in our humanness, our feelings, our perspectives, our biases, all these things can affect our decision-making. So we need a guide. We need a counselor. We need someone who's always around to help us. Listen to John 14, verse 26. In the NASB, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Not some things, all things. The things we need to know, the things that will help us. He will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. You want to know how to live as a Christian? You want guidance on that? The Holy Spirit will teach you all those things. He will help you remember. Now, you have to be reading the Bible. You have to be praying. I don't think the Holy Spirit is going to pop everything in your head. You know, he'll pop some things in your head, but, you know, you need to be doing your part of the work as well. But how incredible is that? That's why the Holy Spirit was a gift from God and why Jesus had to go for the Holy Spirit to be deposited in us. We have that guide, that helper, each and every day. Listen to Isaiah 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Listen to this description of the Holy Spirit again. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and strength. 
the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. If you want to experience more spiritual discernment, if you want to better understand, or if you want to be better aware of when God is trying to do a new thing in you, or when he is doing just flat out a new thing, period, you need to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. And so we have to learn more about this Holy Spirit. We have to maybe see how does the Holy Spirit manifest in different ways? How does God speak to me through his Holy Spirit? How do these things happen? So we need to talk about it. We need to learn things from the Bible because that's what's going to help us when change happens. It's what's going to give us the peace of mind when we're feeling uncomfortable. It's what's going to help us make the best decision, the God decisions, when we can't possibly see the roadblocks or the opportunities. We need a counselor. We need a guide, and that is the Holy Spirit. So those are the three things that will help you be more successful when God is wanting to do a new thing and he's changing things up. Genuine faith, it's walking with God daily, and it's reliance on the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every one of us would take these three keys to heart. Lord, that we would truly have a genuine faith in you, a true trust and belief. Lord, and that we would be honest with ourselves if we are struggling with our faith, Lord, whether it is we haven't really connected to you, we haven't made that decision yet. Or Lord, if there are people that are struggling, they're backsliding, Lord. They're not spending time with you, Lord Jesus. I pray through your Holy Spirit, you would convict them, Lord, that they would realize that, that they would be able to be honest with themselves. Lord, so they could walk with you daily, Lord Jesus. And that we would all rely more on your Holy Spirit to guide us each and every day. Lord, help us to be completely reliant on you. Help us to realize that we can't do anything without you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for everything you are doing in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.